0: Welcome to another episode of Design Freaks, the podcast. Uh, I like to talk about music, industry, art, and design with fellow creatives. Record covers, posters, zines, etc. The stories and people behind the graphics. For Freaks by Freaks. I'm Clarita and I am your host. Thank you so much for listening. Um, This is episode 56. My guest today... Is Jeffrey Everett of Rockets Are Red. Jeffrey's an award winning graphic designer, illustrator, and author working outside of Washington, D.C., hence all of the D.C. bands he's designed for. Um, he's designed for Lou Reed, Jason Raz. Is that how you say it? Raz. Idols, Social Distortion, Foo Fighters, Decembrist, Flight of the Concords, Gaslight Anthem, Bouncing Souls, Pat and Oswald, Childish Gambino, etc. Uh, many, many more Universal Records, <laughs> Live Nation, DreamWorks, and more. Um, rocketsaread.com with hyphens. But first, before the interview, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, please share it with other vinyl and design freaks, and leave an iTunes review, and subscribe. Uh, you can find everything at designfreakspodcast.com, all my socials, you can donate if you'd like to, buy some merch. And for more music-related podcasts, go ahead and check out RuinousMedia.com. And now, uh, here's my chat with Jeffrey. Actually, heads up, the interview uh, abruptly starts because as soon as we got on our call, he starts telling stories, so I just stealthily pressed record. Uh, And um, he's going to be talking about being in a Zoom meeting with Dr. Fauci right away, so... Normal stuff. Anyway, here's my chat with Jeffrey of Rockets Are <laughs> Keep going.
1: You know, so we're having this very serious conversation about, you know, COVID and people dying and stuff like that. And uh, uh-huh. I just start hearing like a, a, a tapping noise. And I'm like, like, what is that sound? And then out of nowhere, my cat Mabel oh. falls through the ceiling <gasps> behind me oh my God. and landed perfectly fine. And then just kind of scampered away. And all I hear is, all I hear is, hold on, hold on. Mr. Everett, did something fall out of your ceiling? And I was like, yes, Dr. Fauci, that was my cat, Mabel. Is the cat okay? Cat's fine. Okay, good. And then, like, you know, right back to talking about the pandemic. So, yeah.
0: Wow. Can we, we okay, two things I want to know, first of all, There's so much I want to know. What were you doing in a meeting with Dr. Fauci? (laughs) Can I ask? So
1: I got a job as a senior designer at the National Institutes of Health.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So like all the COVID stuff that you see telling you to like wash your hands and like stay inside if you're sick. I designed those in about 30 minutes before like the world went crazy.
0: The CDC official...
1: Yes. And for like three years when I was, you know, traveling around or stuck inside, I even went to Seattle over the summer, and I walked into a taco restaurant, and my signage was up in the bathrooms. And I just said, you know, out of all the stuff that I'll ever do in my life, this will be the most seen and most hated thing I'll ever do. (laughs) So yeah. Uh, <laughs> I at thought, least it's everywhere. Oh God. But it's like obsessive punkers are are really bad. QAnon is even worse.
0: Mm-hmm. I got
1: like targeted by QAnon.
0: What? Oh yeah. Oh, how did they find out you were the designer?
1: So I won a design award and graphic design USA put a picture of Fauci that I drew on the cover. Uh Uh-oh. And then, like, they (laughs) found me. And so, I I was, like, at the beach with, you know, parents playing cards, and Mm -hmm. I looked down at my Instagram, and it's like, boom, 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 boom. And it's all, like, Mm -hmm. death to Jeffrey Everett and... You suck and you're ruining America.
0: And <laughs> What? I'm sorry to laugh because those people are harmful. But, I mean, are not you trying to prevent harm? Like, I don't get it. You would think. Yeah. But, like, so in
1: 2017, I was working with this uh, band called Black Clouds. And they were doing a show at Comet Ping Pong in mm-hmm. D.C., have you heard all about this? And no, I have not. Oh god. Okay. So <laughs> it's this whole conspiracy theory that Democrats had like children's sex slaves hidden mm. in this pizza parlor. And so in your drop ceiling? <laughs> in the basement. In the basement. I'm kidding. But there was no basement there. So the drop ceiling would make more sense. So like we're pulling up to the venue and I had done uh, posters for the show and the show was like a welcome to DC Donald Trump show. And it had like, you know, members of like bad religion were playing in bands that night. And <clears throat> it was just a good time. And we mm-hmm. pull up and there's like all of these like alt-right people out front with megaphones chanting and screaming and then they would, like, very politely, like, hand the megaphone to, like, the next crazy fringe group, and they would start mm-hmm. screaming out stuff. So it was like, oh, they're so polite in their death threats. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I started recording. I just wanted to jump right in, and you are in the middle of a great story. You have lots of great stories. Thank you for sending those to me. Sure. How would you introduce yourself? Do you you call yourself a designer, graphic designer, artist? I call
1: myself a designer uh, because I had $100,000 in student debt that said I was a designer. <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: Hundred thousand. Where'd you go to school?
1: I went to I got my undergraduate at American University after dropping out of the Corcoran School of Art. Just like Where
0: are these schools? DC. Okay. Got yeah. it.
1: Mm-hmm. So I went to I went to Corcoran School of Art for two years, just like David Lynch did. And then he dropped out. And then I went to and then I went to AU for two years. And I found out later that Henry Rollins went to AU, so I felt like I was following in terrible footsteps, I guess, because he dropped yeah, out.
0: He's a smart, he's, he's a-, a smart guy, though. Maybe yeah, but need it.
1: he totally was like, "Yeah, I don't need to go here," and he dropped out, so he yep. he didn't have the crushing school debt. And then uh, I worked for a few years in D.C. at a nonprofit PR company. <sighs> just hated life, realized that even when you're working with the good guys, sometimes the good guys are still dickwads. And so uh, I decided to change careers and I went back to get my master's degree at the School of Visual Arts in New York.
0: Nice. Lived nice there. F- lived
1: there for two years and I decided I needed to leave because I wanted to start punching everybody walking down the street. And you're like, I just want to mm-hmm. get there. I just want to get to the cross the street mm. and you just can't do it. Cause it's people just staring at buildings the entire time. Uh,
0: Taurus. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. For me, I, I don't know if I could take the Guido factor in New York. Well, for me, no. for me,
1: I was 28 when I went back to school, it was 18 year old art students that made me hate mm. everything because I was, I was staying in student housing. I think I was the only, the only person in my program actually staying in student housing. And it just, it was just bad.
0: What other programs? So what, okay. Everyone else in the housing was in what programs?
1: Well, so SVA has undergraduate and graduate programs. So like Mm -hmm. I was staying with like 18 year old kids who thought it was funny to run down the hallway screaming i'm on fire i'm on fire at mm-hmm. three o'clock in the morning to, mm. yeah to see like you know a 27 year old man who you know actually went to bed at you know 10 o'clock jump up and like run outside with a blanket to smother them and it's <laughs> like oh i was just practicing my performance art piece
0: right i was gonna ask are these like musical theater because why would you why else would you want to kill someone (laughs) i am
1: god i have no it was just terrible but like yeah like i remember i remember staying there and i walked by a room and this girl had taken a hammer to the entire dorm room Mm -hmm. and the mother i guess the girl had gotten kicked out of school and the mother was Mm -hmm. like you know sarah like we're going to have to pay for all of this. This is like $20,000 worth of damage. And, and the girl just looked at her and screamed, you don't understand me. You never will. I'm an artist.
0: And that was Lena Dunham.
1: Yes. Yes, it was. And she went on to <laughs> do a whole season of girls based on this.
0: Um, okay. Well, that sounds horrific. Um, everyone out there, drop out of school. It's not worth it. Uh, it's too much money. I'm just, I just—I work for college admissions for a living, just so you know. <laughs> but not—it's not an art school. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, which school do you work for? UW, University I, of Washington.
1: I was going to say, um, I think I applied there and I was rejected. So yeah, like so, when I decided to get back into the workforce because I was tired over arguing over $500. I met people who were making, you know, mid six figures who learned how to do everything off of YouTube tutorials. Mm -hmm.
0: Just talk their way into it. And it was just amazing.
1: It was just like, Mm -hmm. you're 23. You don't know how... To talk to people you don't know how to deal with clients but you're really good at this one thing Mm. and nobody else knows how to do it Mm. and on one hand like i really admire that on the other hand having stayed in contact with a lot of these these people three years later they're out of a job and everybody now knows how they did that thing three years ago And so now they're scrambling to catch up.
0: Without a degree. Without a degree. So you go to art school. You don't start freelancing right away, right? Do you, you get a job? How did you learn? I mean, just in school or, so you know, how did you get to work for musicians, basically?
1: So I basically decided to move to New York after working several years doing non-profit design work and I just realized I'm going to keep doing this for the rest of my life because your portfolio dictates what you do next so if you only do work for non-profits you're going to keep working for nonprofits profits because people don't seem to understand that good design for one thing you know can be applied to other industries so I went back uh, the, the program I went to at SVA was called, like, Designer as Author. Though I think now it's been revamped to, like, Designer as Entrepreneur. And I went to New York and I just was like, I just need to do something different or I'm just going to go crazy. And when I was living in New York, I mean, this is like oh 0- oh three oh four. um <coughs> I eventually... I would just start cold emailing bands I liked and I was taking a screen printing class and it was eight o'clock on a Saturday morning. So it was like me and the teacher and that was it. Like there was nobody else in this class and the teacher was just like, yeah, just print stuff. And so I would get in contact with bands and be like, Hey, you're playing the Bowery ballroom. Mm -hmm. Can I do a poster? And I had no clue what I was doing. I mean, excuse me, I saw, you know, the gig poster books. There were people that I followed and I just was like, yeah, I'll just start trying to do bad art chantry posters for these people. You know, I'll do screen prints where I don't have to align anything or, you know, make sure the registration is proper. Oh yeah. Doing black on black, is a really smart marketing move. I should do that. (laughs) And eventually it's like, I just kept doing it. And so when I moved out of New York back to DC, um, I got this one job that was terrible. And they specifically hired me because they're like, oh, like you're so kooky. You're like, you're a weirdo punk designer. And they fired me the day before my wedding. Uh, after working there for six months so maybe that wasn't a a solid career move for me but it really like just kicked me in the ass to just be like screw it I'm just gonna go all in you know and just went I just went for it then
0: yeah seize that opportunity to go off on your own
1: well yeah I I mean unfortunately it's I just kind of realized that you know, design is like any other business. And I got tired of having word salad thrown at me. You know, like my art director was like, you know, Jeff, what you do is kind of more of a postmodern type of grunge. And we're really looking for like a clean, contemporary, distressed look instead. And i just like, what, the,
0: what the hell does that even mean? Mean contemporary distressed.
1: Girl. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Or- I love
0: when clients use a word that's super vague, but because they have a clear idea in their head, they think you can see what they can see in their head. Yeah. And they say the word, like, elegant. And they think that you can see. Like, elegant can mean a zillion different things. Right. You know? And so it's like, okay, here's my ideas. And they're like, are you out of your mind? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm lucky enough now that most people who I work with can kind of trust what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, they've seen enough of your work that they know.
1: Yeah. And at NIH, you know, so I now have kind of the two careers. And at NIH, I... You know, I walk in and I deal with people with legitimate Nobel prizes and PhDs. And I walk in wearing like jeans and a black t-shirt and I'm I have a lot of tattoos. And when I first started working there, my my boss was like, you know, like you should probably wear suits to these meetings and blah blah blah. And now it's like, oh, like Nobel Prize winners are are nut jobs and most phds are very neurotic and so they kind of see me as like a kindred soul when i walk in and usually we just sit around yeah we talk about our cats
0: Yeah. yeah they're people yeah thank you for the posters um that was really nice uh I, you, get, you sent me quite a few, they're all screen printed. Do you do that in your house? Where do you do the screen printing? Or did you do that?
1: Um, I used to do all my own screen printing and now my old broken down body can't do it anymore. And I realized I'm not very good at it. So I work with a lovely company called Triple Stamp Press in Virginia
0: Oh, yeah. Their branding was somewhere on there. I saw that.
1: I always give credit to them, like yeah. in, the, in the corner, because they take what I do and they make it look so much better. And they're just kooky enough where I'm like, hey, do you think you could, like, put blood in there? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, or like glitter or. How about oh, with- blood!
0: Yeah, you—you you told me earlier. I still smell books when I open them. That, had nothing, that has nothing to do with what you just said. But I've printed with blood. I've printed with glitter. I've printed using paint. I've mixed in smelly stuff. I don't want to know what that is. Nothing beats the smell of a press. That's true. I- blood. So they've put blood on the screen. Yes, I mean they're, but it's not
1: like they're printing only with blood. Because having done that before, it rots. It actually, like, turns brown and will mm-hmm. rot the paper. So we've done things where we've, like, squeezed blood in from, like, meat. I'm also a vegetarian, so. Um, but they've, they've squeezed blood in. We've done glitter. We've done things like mixed perfume in. Um, I've used, when I was printing on my own, I would use house paint, to to print and it would just make everything stink, so I did that for the Melvins, and because I wanted their posters to smell terrible, um, <laughs> okay. I don't think they I don't think they appreciated that as much as I did, but you know, did it work? It did. It's, it, I did a poster for them that was an ice cream cone with a, a ball of shit on top with a cherry uh-huh. bomb about to explode. Ah. Uh. And uh, I thought this was hilarious, and I don't know uh, if the band did. The posters sold really well.:
0: You worked with some great people. I love the stories. You sent me a couple. I'm not sure if you sent me duplicates or if you have multiple fish stories, but the Lou Reed thing was really funny. The fish story. I do want to talk about your book. Is this book um, like a coffee table book with all imagery of all your work, or is it uh, the storytelling as well?
1: It is, right now, it's 444 pages, and it's nothing but concert posters I've done over the last 20 years. I think there's over 350 of them, and uh, between each chapter, I think there's 10 chapters, I have just writings and pontifications, and my editor said it they were funny, so I guess... That's yeah. all, all that matters. Um, I have an interview with my publisher in there. Uh, Shauna Keeney, who did mm-hmm. um, I Was a Teenage Dominatrix, uh, oh. writes the foreword. So oh. it's, yeah, it, it's weird. I'm, I'm a person who never looks at my old work. So it was pretty cringe looking through 20 years of posters and being like, well, that one sucks. That one sucks. That oh, one's a okay.
0: way to sell it. To sell it. <laughs> we, th- we always <laughs> think that work sucks. Okay. So for my listeners, uh, tell us the name of the book and the website that you put up.
1: A uh, website went up today. The name of the book is let it bleed. And the website is let hyphen it dot bleed.com. Uh, it's now live uh i'm thinking we're self-publishing this and mm-hmm. we're thinking it will probably now go up in january but we're collecting information so we can let people know when it releases it's a big nine and a half, uh, nine by eleven and a half inches it weighs multiple pounds ah. it can probably stop a bullet and uh, it is all designed right now we're just going through and tweaking it
0: Cool. Congratulations. Thank you. That's great. Um, I'll have to get one at some point, but I saw the website and it looks good. Um, I'm sure that's not everything, but it was like a sampler. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, Very cool. And so we're going to be
1: doing um, a couple speaking engagements when the book releases. And then I had a really nice uh, fella, Carlos, who uh, decided he wanted to do me telling stories about all my weird clients. So we'll be releasing videos of how Lou Reed calls me a dumb motherfucker. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: So, okay, let's, will you, first of all, when does the book come out and then we'll tell a couple of the stories.
1: I believe we're doing the Kickstarter in January. Um, okay, and then we're doing that more just to gauge interests. And mm-hmm. the book should fully it should start printing in March for release okay. in the summer. So
0: okay, so uh, next year got that to look forward to. Yeah. Um. Okay. So Lou Reed, tell t- tell us how that all happened.
1: So Lou Reed's manager contacted me. Uh, to do a tour poster basically through Italy and kind of southern Europe. So we ended up working together, and I ended up doing a poster of like a a man riding a motorcycle with a woman turned around. It's like they're they're kind of straddling each other as they're going down. Mm -hmm. And Lou calls me up one day. He's like, I want you put a tattoo on the biker and i'm like yeah sure what do you want he's like i want you to write fuck the pope going up his arm and i'm like oh okay it's a little risque but sure what you know what the hell i'm a i'm a recovering baptist let's go for it and so i write you know i draw it up put it on the email send it to him and the manager and not 30 seconds after I send it, the manager calls me up and she's like, You gotta take the fucking tattoo off, man. We're playing Rome for like a week straight. We're oh this God. this is not gonna go well. So
0: <laughs> we're playing the Vatican.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. So I take it off. And uh, you know, Lou kind of grumbled about that. And so after the tour though few months later i got a surprise gift from him where it was the poster and he drew the tattoo back onto it with like a big lou reed next to it so i was like oh cool you know he gets it so he he does that record with metallica the lulu record which is (laughs) it's a classic everyone has three copies and
0: (laughs) height of his career
1: so his manager at the time, or like his assistant, if this gives you any indication of how it's how, what it's like to work with Lou, his assistant um during that recording process quits to go work with Lars because Lars is an easier person to deal with than Lou Reed. And if you've ever heard mm. the stories about Lars, you can you can figure out uh you know how bad Lou must have been. So so Lou Lou decides to go and do this tour without Metallica because no one cared for the record. And I drew up a few sketches for the next tour. And one of them that he liked uh, was basically kind of like um, a hooker and a a ballet dancer. And they're kind of squaring off in a uh, doorway with the the prostitute kind of pinning her in pinning the ballet dancer against the wall and which is the whole kind of concept behind the record it's a ballet dancer who gets hooked on drugs comes a prostitute so he writes me and uh well we have this meeting and he goes you know i want to make this like a series and i want to have like five posters and i'm like okay and he's like okay so I want it to be the first one, like this one poster you did. And then I want it to be the next one, they're kissing. The third one is they're both naked. The fourth one is they're cutting each other up with knives. And then the fifth one is they're spitting human fluids into each other's mouths.
0: Jesus, Lou. (laughs) <laughs> so, and I, so, okay, go
1: ahead. And I was like, okay, kind of like processing it. And he goes, I want it to be X-rated. I want it to be explicit. And I want it to be vulgar. This is for his tour? This is for his tour. And I remember just, I actually wrote those words down. And I have the post-it notes still in my, my sketchbook. So, you know, I have kids. My kids see my work. It always terrifies me when they Google me. And so I decide to do it, and I'm like, you know, all right. I don't have to be super crass about it. I can go the Maplethorpe route instead, you know. Like, it's risky, but at least it's well-drawn, I guess. So I do a whole bunch of sketches and I send them over to him. A couple of days later, I get a call from his manager and Tom goes, "Hey, I got Lou on the line for you." Oh god. And I'm thinking like, "Oh, great, you know, he's calling me up so we can go over these cuz he's so jazzed." And so I put it on I put it on speaker and I'm sitting in my little office and Lou gets on and he just goes, you're a dumb motherfucker, aren't you? Oh, and then God. for 30 minutes, berates me. My work sucks. What the hell am I thinking? You can't show, quote, tits on a poster. Like, ba ba
0: Wait, he's saying that you're, that you shouldn't have shown tits on a poster? What?
1: Yes. Like, I should somehow have done it. A vulgar and explicit poster series about, you know, women having violent sex and not shown any nudity. But I just I just sat there as, as he got really angry and I looked kind of out my my studio door and my cat was defecating in its litter box while staring at me.
0: Oh, my God. Weird. And I just
1: and I just yeah. And I just kind of went, you know, this is the pinnacle of my life. I'm being being called dumb by a rock and roll legend as my cat judges and defecates in front of me. So
0: well, you're not the first one with the Lou Reed story. Um, Arish Khan, uh, a.k.a. King Khan, on his episode, talked about Lou getting mad at him because, well, he was friends with Lou Reed and Laurie Anderson, and they w- went to a concert together and it was kind of like a spiritual thing and they're all sitting on the ground, you know, cross-legged watching the show. And for some reason, Erish was felt compelled to do that thing where you go, "What's that on your shirt?" and then you boop someone's nose. <laughs> and he did that to Lou Reed. You know, he just was like, "Don't don't do that to me." I that's what I would do. I get mad when people try to high five me. Really? <laughs> and I'm not even Lou Reed. <laughs> I'm just like, we're not doing that. (laughs) Don't high five me,
1: please. I don't know what what people do anymore, if they, like, handshake or do the (laughs) fist bump. So, like, I end up kind of doing, like, this thing eventually, just kind of like, Mm -hmm. I'm, like, the Queen of England, and you can just kind of do that. Sure. I hate, yeah, I hate people hugging me. I went to Mm -hmm. a concert a couple weeks ago um, and saw a band. The opening band was so good. And then the main band was just like, it was like watching someone that you had a crush on in high school and you just kind of go, God, why did I ever like them? Mm. And then afterwards people were there and they're like trying to hug me. Mm-hmm. Cause they're like, Oh, you're the poster guy. And like, they were mm-hmm. trying to, hu- and I was like, no,
0: don't, no, don't. Yeah. I- Post COVID uh... no one should hug anybody. Um <sighs> And the high five thing, I feel like it's a power move. Like, once my hand is up, you have to, or you're rude. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like putting me in a weird position that mm-hmm. feels pushy. And yeah. I don't like it. I don't. It's cringy. It's uncomfortable. It's dorky. Don't do that because I'm going to leave you hanging. And, or I'm going to put my hand and I'm going to go down low.
1: And then you're going to take you... it away at the last minute.
0: And then I'm going to do that. With, yeah, I'm gonna comb my hair, uh I'm gonna mime
1: that. And you got a good quaff of hair, so you know, you can do that. You know? It doesn't work too well for me. How do you greet people then? Do you just do like the head nod of appreciation?
0: Well, high fiving isn't for greeting. That's for like, yay, we did it. But you don't need to high f- you can just say, Yay, we did it or congrats I, or
1: whatever. I have mm-hmm. met people by doing high fives and okay. I just kind of am like, Yeah. No. Because usually they go for the high five and then they go in for the bro hug right after that.
0: Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, no. Yeah, again, post-COVID, there shouldn't be – like, if you try to fist bump me, that's cool. See, that's why fist bumps were invented because it's a low-pressure, you know, uh, it's not – it's a low-commitment thing. Like, okay, anybody can do that. It's not a big deal. You can fist bump with a baby, you know. Which is cute. Um, anyway, so back to your book, to your clients. To, what mm-hmm. other crazy? Like, are there any other stories like that of someone who is like, who stands out in your career?
1: Um. Oh God, so many, so many NDAs that I've had to sign. Uh, okay, well. Let's see, I've had, I've had a manager threaten to kill my family over $500 that they didn't oh. want to pay me. Um, and, and I, I had a nervous breakdown in front of my house because of that. Um, oh. I got voted the worst fish poster of all time. Back in 2013, I've learned, I have since learned that I've been usurped though. Um, so my punk rock pride kind of hurts. Cause I really wanted to have the worst fish poster of all all
0: time can i post that on my website designfreakspodcast.com sure for my listeners to see yeah that's where you go listeners go look at that fish poster you know
1: the band really (laughs) liked it and they sold out made a gajillion dollars off of it but people were like i don't know man it doesn't have enough drugs and
0: spaceships on it yeah it's probably too nice for them yeah
1: yeah it really was (laughs) It really was. (laughs) Sorry I didn't, like, smear berries on a piece of paper.
0: Um, No shade to the fish people. There are some good fish people, but um, probably not the same taste as yours. Because a lot of your stuff is very rock and roll. It's very vector. Like, is it all illustrator, like, vector art? Like, how do you make this art?
1: It is all... I do really uh loose sketches at the beginning mm-hmm. and then I scan them in and I draw on, on top of them mm-hmm. and do a lot of just i you know frankly it was a lot of because I was trained as a designer I don't consider myself an illustrator so like the first years where I actually was trying to draw my own stuff it was mm-hmm. I'll just make three quarters of the poster blue there we go done mm-hmm. you know I'll do like a wallpaper effect over it. Yay! It looks nice. So, um, do you,
0: are you using the pen tool? What
1: are you yeah, using? Yeah, I use a Wacom tablet mm-hmm. to do all of it. I have—I used to do really detailed pen and ink work when I was younger, and now I have uh, tendinitis all up my right arm, mm. so that's super fun to to yeah. deal with. But yeah, so now I do really a lot of like detailed architectural drawings. I do a lot of portraits and you know i think one of the, the th- one of the things i've really liked about my career is i haven't found like that one thing that i do and only do that you know i don't have like a catch-all application mm-hmm. i really try to figure out what a band is about and then draw that so i approach it like as a design solution as a, you know, design, you know, what is best for this band to illustrate mm-hmm. who they are, not necessarily, you know, Hey, I'm Jeffrey Everett and I'm going to draw something and then just slap a band name over it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm looking through your work. So you're, we talked about the uh, let it bleed book, but your website is called rockets are red. It's Rockets are red with hyphens between the words, right? Dot com.
1: Gotta love the hyphens because everything else is bought up.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, it works. Um, and you've worked for Pat and Oswald and I see poster for Beck. There's a lot of great stuff here. The band Idols, they're really awesome. Do you work directly with the uh musician or, or is there usually management involved?
1: It goes both ways. Um when i worked with idols i worked with the management their fan club president and then worked with like the lead <laughs> singer so that was weird um uh-huh. and yeah i don't know english slang really well so when they said they were chuffed i i thought that was a bad thing and it ended up oh being no good... i was like yeah. oh that's a good thing okay um and then yeah Big, big, small, I've done it all. I mean, my, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that i found is if I draw... like I was working with David Howes on a poster. And he kept thinking the woman was too pretty on the poster.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I had to change the face seven times. So wow. that was interesting. And then the last poster I did, he thought the woman looked too much like Hillary Clinton... And thought maybe I was making a political statement.
0: Uh oh And I was
1: like, no, that's that's my friend who looks nothing like Hillary Clinton. So
0: <laughs> Then he sent yeah. you a QAnon pamphlet.
1: <laughs> okay. No, he, he was like, I don't want anyone to to think ill of Hillary Clinton. He was
0: being- Oh, I see. Okay, because it wasn't a flattering photo or poster
1: he just was like I don't want people I don't want people to think you know I'm saying something about Hillary because I like Hillary so I was like okay
0: mm-hmm. so um, yeah great work do you do you do all your typography and I'm assuming um, separately from the drawings or do you do everything all at once
1: I do it all at once I like to uh, appro- approach these as like full pieces Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I've met a lot of illustrators who don't, you know, know how to use typography well, just like I've met a lot of designers who don't know how to illustrate well. I like yeah. to think I I do both kind of okay.
0: You do both I, pretty well, I think. Thank you.
1: I really sell myself on this. So
0: <laughs> you get the, you get the job done, the. The <laughs> idea comes across, and it's a it's a specific style, and it's a recognizable style. I think.
1: Thank so. you. I mean, I like to, you know, it. Having done this for so long, you know, I speak down about my artwork primarily because, especially in DC, you know, I would go and like win design awards for my work. And people would be like, oh, you're the one who does the little posters, don't you? And so I kind of am self-deprecating just to beat everybody else to the punch.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and you know, to stay humble a little bit. But no, man, like I, it, you know, for me, like going to the concert mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, like people came up and like were showing me tattoos of my work wow! and you know, I've, I've had people say they've bought my posters and do you happen to have another one? Because my husband and I are getting divorced and we're arguing over who gets what posters. And it's pretty cool after 20 years to hear people say that the stuff you did when you're just trying to figure it out has meant so much to them that they've, they've gone into fistfights over it
0: whoa
1: (laughs) yeah my 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 dad came to visit me it was like a decade ago and we were doing posters i did posters for rancid and they're Mm -hmm. doing three nights at this really small club in dc and my dad was like hey why don't i hang out with you while you you know sling posters and i don't think he got the crowd at all he certainly didn't like the music but like at the end of the show, just like little five foot two, you know, punk girl is walking by and her poster is like, she obviously like used it as a baseball bat in the pit, you know, like it's all crinkled, it's rolled, it's all mm-hmm. dirt. I mean, I think there was blood on there. And my dad was like, why don't you, why don't you go give her another one? You know, that, that one's all ruined. Just be a nice guy and go give her a poster. And so she came over, (coughs) excuse me. She came over, and I was like, Hey, do you want another poster? That one's all ruined. And she was like, No, man. Like, this poster has had some life on it, you know, just like me. I'm going to hang this one up. And I think when my dad saw that, he kind of understood a little bit more, you know, rock posters, this kind of stuff. It's not work that gets thrown away it's work that gets hung on to mm-hmm. and people there's a memory really... attached to it yeah and like we don't have you know record covers anymore we don't have yes that kind we of... do <laughs> how dare you <laughs> you do you you, you have space form i don't um i mean i got a few the ones that i designed are... but
0: i get what you're saying but definitely records are being produced. Oh, no, no. But,
1: I, but yeah. I mean like, you know, when, I, when I was growing up, I would have, wasn't even records, like the CDs and like you'd fold out the CDs and you could read the lyrics. And a lot of people don't do that anymore. And kind of concert posters have replaced that, mm-hmm. you know, they ha- have them hanging up on their walls and that's what they look at when they stream, you know, the essential playlist of Jeff Rosenstock or whatever.
0: <laughs> Well, I um, I'm looking at the childish Gambino poster. That's really cool. It's like looks like a cosmos with a bunch of intersecting lines making up his face, and then some brightly colored shapes behind certain areas of the lines. That I really mm-hmm. like that effect. Thank you. Very cool. Um, have you made any black light posters?
1: Um, I've made glow in the dark posters. Uh, which is not blacklight, but I have done those like for job. Like I did one recently for Jawbreaker when mm-hmm. they toured, and I did it so everything it looked like a a letter on a typewriter, and I wanted it to look like you know words that haven't been said. So when you turn off the lights, the words on the paper appear, but mm. you can't see them during the day. Uh, the one I did for the The show at Comet Ping Pong, when you turn off the lights, it says pizza is your God on it. (laughs) That did not go over well when uh, people didn't know that that would illuminate. I did one for Lamb of God. Mm -hmm. And when you turn off the lights, it had Pazuzu from The Exorcist staring at you.
0: (laughs) That definitely scared some people. As it should. Yeah, yeah. Mission, so mission accomplished. Well done, you know, I say. More bang for your buck. Oh yeah. If it's a if it's a art poster that has a whole other life in the dark, that's even better. Yeah. But like,
1: you know, I design these stuff basically in a vacuum. So at a certain point I'm just trying to entertain myself.
0: Have you ever hidden anything in the design? Like besides the glow and the dark stuff, like kind of like hid little Easter eggs.
1: Oh yeah. All the time. Um, So like I've done posters for horrible crows, which was a spinoff for Brian found and Ian Perkins of gaslight Anthem. And I did it. So if you look at it, the pattern in the background is all Morse code Mm -hmm. and it's like asking riddles of like, you know, who is the lady killer and stuff like that? And the answer is all always, always Ian Perkins, because, you know, he's definitely slayed my heart, but um, just do things to entertain yourself, because at this point, the world's a dreary place. So, I did a poster for Frank Turner where it was a mailbox wall at a hotel, mm-hmm. and I put in just hundreds of little drawings of fans of his or you know references to songs that people wouldn't understand for i mean advice for working in the music industry yeah um always ask for double whatever they want to pay you Mm because they're always going to lowball you. Um, Don't work for people that you don't understand or appreciate. Mm Because I've done a lot of posters for bands that I don't quite get, like Fish, And Mm -hmm. I try to do my best, but I don't think It ends up speaking to the audience Mm -hmm. the way that it should like when i work for bands that i really love you can tell Mm -hmm. like there's there's a lot of oh yes this references this lyric in this song and i think that is a really important aspect if you want to do great design
0: Mm, that's awesome Uh, what, uh, speaking of starting out when you were younger, I asked this of every guest and I guess I'll change the question a bit. I usually ask, what's the first album cover you remember, but for you, um, because it is about inspiration and that moment that you become mesmerized and you want to know more and it kind of sparks the interest. What's the first gig poster that really stuck with you?
1: First gig poster. Yeah. Okay.
0: Do you remember? Um, Did you have the answer to the other question?
1: I had an answer to the 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 record one.
0: Yeah, go either one.
1: And that one. So I grew up in a really small town, and my house was 170 years old, and mm-hmm. middle of nowhere, Massachusetts. So most of the music we listened to was on the radio because we didn't my parents didn't buy music. And so the way I actually learned about record covers was going to church and being told what record covers were evil. Yeah. So like Led Zeppelin, uh-huh. uh Hotel California by Eagles, Anything by Kiss. And then uh, the Black Sabbath cover with, like, the really creepy woman on it, oh. those were, like, I cannot wait to hear this music. Like, mm-hmm. I, I saw those and, like, went to, like, the Strawberries music store four towns over and picked those up. And I liked all of them except for Eagles. Well, yeah.
0: They don't th- I don't think they have enough guitars. <laughs> or Tom's and the drum kit.
1: Yeah, I think I think they just needed some more cocaine and they really would have all found of that. themselves. Yeah. yeah.
0: For, you know, for gig
1: posters, you know, when I started driving into Boston, um I can't say what particular gig poster it was, but it was really all the shitty flyers that I'd see mm-hmm. for hardcore shows mm-hmm. up at Newbury Comics. And I loved them primarily because they were so bad, but they had so much passion in them. And it was just very like, I need to do something to promote my band. I love this band, hate this band, whatever. So people would just draw or collage and photocopy something 800 times and then put it up. <laughs> and I loved the immediacy of it. Because most of the art that I had seen are like these painstakingly rendered paintings that are only hung in you know, only hung in galleries, or like comic books, which I mean becoming a comic book, you know, illustrator, you know, when you're thirteen or fourteen just seems like the dream job and you know, only this the chosen few get those. So to see like You know shitty punk flyers Mm -hmm. was kind of a revelation to me you know
0: yeah because the thing about punk is there's no rules rules. that's the thing
1: you just blew my mind right there (laughs) i had no clue that was coming
0: no rules wait yeah i have another Another
1: setting here now that i sound like a man let's really talk Let's, let's get into our feelings (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, okay, so I'm almost out of time What do you want us to know?
1: Uh, I have this new book coming out Yeah uh, Let It let it Bleed uh, The website is Let It Bleed with hyphens in between You can find it at my website Rocketsaread.com And yeah, I don't know what else Don't get COVID, be nice to each other <laughs>
0: What's your, your Instagram is also at Rockets are Reds, right? Sorry to interrupt you. Okay.
1: Yeah. And uh, yeah, you'll go there and not see my face so that you'll actually see design stuff instead of me with a chai latte.
0: I know. I think people think they're going to see design when they go to mine and they see cats and sunsets. Really though? That's very disappointing.
1: I I do like your design, but in this... (laughs) this world we need more cats and sunsets actually it's much more important than posters for social distortion
0: well good work well done we're looking forward to your book in the year 2023 thank you for joining me and i'll see you on the other side thank you very much much.
1: it was a pleasure
0: it was a pleasure bye take care (laughs) hope you feel better
1: thank you talk soon